Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT. Sonia Poulton and today's News Talk, TNT. Hello, truly wonderful people. How are you? Well, this is the start of an important week, not just for justice, but for press freedom as well. This week, we at TNT will be closely following the London High Court hearing of Julian Assange from tomorrow. We will, as I say, be at the High Court. We'll be talking with people connected to the case and we'll be garnering thoughts and opinions. We, we, we will be at the High Court from tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday. Rick will be taking over mine and Abby's breakfast spot for the next two days. I will be broadcasting from 9am. Abby will take over at 10 and David Curtin will continue the broadcast from 11am to noon. So how are you all out there? Presumably you haven't got a camera that zooms in and out. How are you in the live chat? Are you doing well i hope you're well we see and hear you thank you so much i appreciate that Borda says Mali bites Borda to you too i hope you are absolutely well i went to the premiere yesterday of the trust for julian assange that is an extremely powerful film i implore you to see it stella assange was there for the q a I spoke with her briefly and told her that we were at the High Court this week and we would love to talk with her for TNT. The director and writer Kim Statton has done a wonderful job of telling the story of Julian Assange. The film takes its name from the fact that Julian knew they would pursue him to the ends of the earth. And the trust fall is a reference to taking a massive leap of faith and having faith that people good people will catch you. And to a degree that has happened, although not enough as we know. It shows how Julian has been detained, silenced and imprisoned in maximum security Belmarsh prison while becoming the best known voice regarding free speech and journalism. The film covers why he was imprisoned and actually shows the footage that never ceases to horrify me. It's the footage in Baghdad, the writers, journalists, the bravado of the American military as they murder in cold blood these civilians and reporters. And the, the film um, it was uh, it's filmed over two years on three continents in 10 cities and features many great people, some no longer with us, including the truly great reporter John Pilger, who I looked up to when I was growing up. I actually, quite a lot of my journalism is based on John Pilger's work. Uh, not, not meaning that I've stolen it, meaning that I watched him, I watched his ethics, and I really, really appreciated it greatly. And the film also features members of Assange's family, such as Stella, for example, John Shipton, uh, Julian's father, and his brother, Gabriel. I cried throughout the film. I wasn't alone. It's powerfully done, but you're reminded of the lives destroyed, including, as I say, those in Baghdad. The film touched me on a human level. This man did a service. He did. He revealed American war crimes. And the film poses an interesting question. When has America not been at war? It catalogues how Julian Assange's world has become increasingly smaller from the Ecuadorian embassy to you know, a room at Belmarsh Prison. And it it refers to all the smears that he's been subjected to. You know, the fact is most people have very little idea of what Julian Assange is in prison for. They think, you know, they, they think what they've read in the papers, that he's a rapist, that he was a government spy, all of these things, none of them true. And uh, it, it's really awful. This is how they demonize people. 
And so the chances are that unless you're an independent thinker, which if you're watching TNT, you probably are. But the chances are if you've taken your information on Julian Assange from the mainstream media, it's going to be bad, really bad. There, there was, as I say, uh, there was a Q&A afterwards. And uh, Stella, I want a quote that she said. She said, it's an uphill battle to win this round, not because of the merits of our arguments, but because of the political nature of this case. And I, I absolutely hear what she's saying. And one of Julian's quotes, which is shown in the film, and I agree with it wholeheartedly, is one of the best ways to achieve justice is to expose injustice. And so say all of us. And on that note, this is the point when Gemma Cooper joins us. We'll be right back. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO if it's not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, it's Monday. How are you doing? Well, I'm very much looking forward to the coverage from the High Court this week because of all the reasons you just outlined. And it's it's great that TNT will be there on not just one, not two, not three, but several shows coming from London as the case unfolds. Whether it's, it's scheduled for two days, this hearing, um, it would be interesting to hear what comes out. I know Amnesty International are there. I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, Amnesty International will be giving evidence um, as well. So uh, not, not evidence as such, it's a, it's a hearing, it's not a trial. He's never been on trial. He's never ostensibly committed a crime. Um, so it will be it's, it's landmark it's history in the making and of course the implications for free speech are global with this one absolutely and just to say anybody 8 30 tomorrow morning outside the high court because as it says this is a protest to defend a free press day x is here indeed it is it's it's awful isn't it Gemma? as one journalist to another you know he was doing his job he's been convicted although as you say no trial for the crime of being a journalist yeah, and as you say there, he he knew what he was doing. It was a brave and bold move, and he 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 knew they'd come after him. And it, you have to kind of wonder, you know, you know, hear the expression "balls of steel." Certainly, <laughs> balls of steel. He does have possessed balls of steel, but you know the price he's paid, um, and you know the convictions. So many people in the last four years since the scandemic, you know, stood up and did what they believed was the right thing. They didn't accept the mandates of, in their workplace for vaccines. You know, they they stood up against their employers. A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people walked away from their lives for doing what they believed in. Um, but he took it to the next level, and um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a cautionary tale. And I mean, I. I would just like to ask him, you know, what do you have any regrets? He's still a human being. You know, if you had your time again, would you have done it given the price that he's he's paid and the isolation? It's 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 a, it's a story about bravery as well. And it's a story about courage. Mm. But, you mm. know, how, how far do you take that? How far do you take standing up for what you believe in when he has paid and could still pay the ultimate price of, of loss of freedom forever? Oh, big questions to start this week on. So what are we going to be discussing this morning, Gemma? Well, it's not quite as a bigger, bigger story as a, <laughs> it, but it does affect, it does affect, you know, millions of, of, of young people here in the UK today, because as from today, uh, they, all head teachers in schools across the land are being told to ban mobile phones under new guidance from the education secretary. At the moment, some schools in the UK do, they do have a mobile phone banning policy, but this is going to be widespread right across the UK in an attempt to cut down on disruption in class uh, and, and improve behavior and, and exam results. So the education 
education secretary said she wants parity right across the board. She doesn't want it to be a kind of pick and choose, cherry picking affair. Uh, and this guidance is saying uh, no phones at all in the classroom and no phones at all in the lunch break or even in the short breaks between classes. There's kind of several ways that the schools could implement this. It'd be down to the schools to decide which part of the policy they choose, um, either banning completely from even entering a phone into a school. So basically leave your phone at home, um, handing your phone in on arrival or keeping it locked away in the classroom uh, where you are. So you move classrooms through the day, take your phone with you, but you keep it locked. The teacher will keep it locked away while class is going on. Um, there's a fourth option, which I don't think is going to work necessarily, and that's letting children keep hold of their iPhones, provided they're not seen, heard or used. But of course, kids can nip off to the toilet. So that one is maybe not uh, such a successful proposition. The reason she's doing this, Julian Keegan, is because of 97% of children in the UK now have a smartphone or a mobile phone by the age of 12. Uh, and there have been several numerous studies now linked to the use of phones in young people to poor mental health, anxiety, depression and low self-esteem. And also now the epidemic levels of bullying, which we're seeing. I mean, we know there are many stories in the UK about children taking their own lives as a result of bullying because it extends into the home after school hours because of phone devices. And also, I've covered this story before on TNT last year on the Freeman Report, the record numbers of sexual harassment cases now are children against children um, using mobile phones as the kind of conduit. So from today, this will be uh, not legislation, it's not law, but it is guidance, uh, non-statutory guidance, but widespread UK guidance to all head teachers. no more mobile phones in the classroom in the lunch break or in the break at all let's see if it works wow i find myself in a strange position with agreeing with something that government have done which is most bizarre i actually this is something that i think should have happened a very long time ago i was one of those stickler parents who i for my daughter was sort of born obviously in the internet era when it was first emerging and i simply would not allow her to have sort of unfettered access to the internet or to smartphones or anything like that and uh, but the problem that you have of course Gemma, is you have other parents who aren't quite so responsible and so you know some children have been raised on smartphones tablets etc from like two three years old and it's an absolute given at many primary schools that you know children have smartphones and so i eventually caved when my daughter left primary school it was in the summer that my daughter left primary school and uh, and i got her a phone but it was a completely different animal to today there were you know these this is not same kind of smartphones at all it was quite basic but yeah i actually agree with this i do i think an immense amount of bullying has taken place as you know as you were saying you know that there are issues with like concentration and various other things that smartphones and constantly staring at a screen is brought to the table. And that worries me how that impacts young brains, because we know how, you know, brains are pliable, certainly up to 18 and beyond that anyway. But ooh. so, yeah, find myself agreeing with Gillian Keegan. Well, there's a funny way to start the, the week, Gemma. That is a funny way to start the week. Agreeing with government policy on TNT, that's, that's the word. there's an inversion there somewhere. But of course, I think it's because of the result of, of cases we've seen here in the UK of children taking their own lives, um, a record amount of bullying, record amount of sexual harassment, and the studies. There have been too many studies done now by too many independent organisations about the effects, as you rightly say, on brain development of young people. And even brain development in, in adults or brain function in adults, it has been proven under MRI scanners that when you use a mobile phone, when 
you look at a mobile phone, the reward center of the brain, which is the same reward center as drugs and alcohol addiction comes from, that reward center is completely overstimulated. And that's why people pick up their phones. You just keep glancing at it through the day. It's a combination of the blue light and the effect that that has on the brain. And you're looking for a hit, a reward. Um, so it's addiction. It is addiction. And nobody wants a widespread addiction. You know, you think about it, 97% of children have a phone by the age of 12 now. Um, that's, you know, you've got a generation of addicts with, who haven't even left <laughs> left home yet or left the education system. The implications for later on in life, if you can't, like you rightly say, attention spans, holding down a job, uh, relationships. We're breeding a strange mix, maybe a hybrid mix of, you know, the, the human and the digital. But from today, you know, in schools, ain't going to happen anymore. You know, you've just made me think about something else, and that is I wonder if there will be an, a withdrawal effect because like all addictions, there has to be some sort of impact on withdrawing from, you know, your target of addiction. And I wonder what that will be. You know, as you say, people are likely to be sneaking off to lose and doing various other things if they're actually allowed to, to carry it. But And also, I do think this will take pressure off of parents as well because – Obviously, the thing about children is they always want to belong and they want to have, you know, they want to have the smartest, the best, the, you know, usually the most expensive. And this will take a lot of pressure off parents. I kind of compare it to the whole trainers trend as well. You remember when children had to have the best trainers, they were like 140 quid or something ridiculous. And you were, you were hearing stories of children literally getting robbed for their trainers going to school. And I just wonder if... It's kind of stripping back, isn't it? It's stripping back to basics. Take phones out of schools. Let's see how children do without them. But yeah, I think there's going to be a withdrawal impact on this. I, I agree, actually. I've heard anecdotal stories. I don't have children, um, but anecdotal stories of parents that have taken their screens away from kids over the years and the kids go mad. They go absolutely mad. One one story I think made the papers about a child smashing up their bedroom, uh, a child you know running away because they, they couldn't have their phone. Um, yeah, that is a very good point. The chemical uh, reaction of withdrawal, if it's an addictive uh, stimulation on the brain, no matter where it comes from, will be the same. Withdrawal is withdrawal. Um, who will who will pick up the slack from that? The parents at the end of the day uh, who are already frazzled from being at work, or will it be the schools? They're trying to minimise disruption. Will they see kids smashing up classrooms? You know, will we see some headlines Ooh. as a result of this throughout this week we don't we don't know yet um and we don't know how difficult it will be we'll we'll teach us time which is supposed to be being freed up now be now be kind of dealing with angry children who want their phones back it will be interesting to see how this policy does does affect you know the the, the teacher and the pupils moving forward we'll come back to this story maybe at the end of the week Oh, this is going to be interesting. Let me just read this one comment. I think this is quite amusing. I grew up when calculators became common, but my school would have broken our fingers if we used one. Yes, I remember those times as well. That seems like an absolute lifetime away because indeed it is. And uh, on that note, thank you so much, Gemma, and we will see you tomorrow. Take good care of yourself. Have a wonderful day. We'll be right back. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population. Populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, 
but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It is the coolest. TNT. And of course, Gemma's got us all calling, which she is uh, talking rather, which is what she is want to do, which is just absolutely wonderful. Just to remind you, TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what only what others only say they will do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and brilliant stuff. It's a critical time and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. And this week is absolutely, it exemplifies exactly what we're about with this Julian Assange week. We are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek to find the right investors to continue our important mission. Thank you. And on that note, I want to welcome my first guest, and I am delighted to welcome this guest. His name is Dr. David Cartland. He will be no stranger to many of you. He is a GP, a medic who spoke up about the wrongs of COVID and the mRNA jab from the beginning, and boy, has that man paid for it. Good morning, Dr. David Cartland. Good morning, Sonia. It's always a pleasure, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always good to join you on TNT. Thank you. Well, it's wonderful. This is the first time you've joined me on TNT, actually. Obviously, oh, yeah. you previously joined me on a previous breakfast show, but it's absolutely wonderful to have you here with us. We really are grateful for that, David. So yesterday I talked to you and you had to go because it was a Sunday, but you're busy treating people who are damaged by the mRNA jab. What What's going on, David? Well, it's not just uh, yesterday. I mean, I work seven days a week. 363 days a year, pretty much. But I take my birthday off and Christmas off, and that's never really off. But uh, it's it's carnage out there, Sonia. It really is, and uh, that's the only way to describe it. Even today, I've just checked my diary, and there's four appointments booked in, all of them with three or four jabs, and uh, coming to me for advice because I've been in to see their GP. Uh, the GP tells them from the outset that it's absolutely nothing to do with the vaccine. Correlation isn't causation, um, and that they've got functional neurological disorder and then gives them some antidepressants. Whereas meanwhile, I'm dealing with the actual problem, which is the pathophysiology of spike protein, which is obviously what these jabs were training our human cells to make, this non-human protein, which you know, I have to say very slowly to my colleagues, you know, this mRNA instructs your human cell very slowly, I have to say it, because I've got this glazed expression, to produce a spike protein, which is a non-human entity. What's going to happen? You're going to get carnage in the biological systems of the body. You're going to get, you know, inflammation, autoimmunity. I know we're going to be talking a bit about prion disease at the end, but um, you also get microvascular coagulation, endothelial dysfunction, vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Is there anything that this stuff doesn't do? I've seen it with my own eyes, Sonia, so if the uh, regulators want me to ignore what I'm seeing and hearing from patients, real patients, not what they let you know 
on the BBC then. I'm not doing my job correctly, so I'm here to rally the troops now. I'm in a bit of a two or three week effort to, to rally the doctors because I'll say one thing for sure, they're waking up as well. They're silent still, but the amount of messages I'm getting uh, of support and what they're seeing, confirming and corroborating what I'm seeing in their departments. You know, even some real top, top brass NHS staff have contacted me about their own vaccine injuries. Will they speak out? No, they won't. And I don't know the secret antidote to get them to, to grow some, but unfortunately, you know, they're using the same old excuses as well as the prohibitive effect of, you know, seeing people like myself and my colleagues being struck off. Right. Disciplined. Same as me. I'm being put through the minutes. Hey, 28 months, it's, it's been to investigate this doctor's heinous crimes of promoting ethics, safety of patients, including babies, unborn, unborn, and their pregnant mothers, and defending evidence-based medicine and the utter blasphemy of helping the vaccine injured. I mean, it's disgraceful behaviour, really, isn't it? It's absolutely disgraceful. And it's funny, you said something that reminded me of, of a similarity in some ways to uh, a Julian Assange situation. And that is he is being persecuted for being a journalist and you have been persecuted for being a doctor. And the, the, the parallels are that it sends out a warning to everybody else. You better stay in line, right? Yeah, I hear it all the time. It is prohibitive and uh, it, it's even made me question if I had my time again, would I have spoken out? I think the answer to that would be yes, I would. Because, you know, people say hero, people say, you know, congratulate. I'm not doing anything other than what I should be doing. I'm doing, you know, I'm following my Hippocratic Oath of do no harm. I'm follow I have to keep reminding the GMC, actually, it's quite funny to play and toy with them because I actually read their guidance back to them and say, well, I am following your guidance on the duty of candor, informed consent, good medical practice. So, you know, right back at you. So it really is quite confusing for them when you come back with them with facts and their own guidance. So, you know, it's, it really is a crazy situation. I can't excuse doctors now are silent. You know, we've got lots of doctors writing letters, strongly worded letters. That's fine. It, it, it's not really worked, to be honest, because letters can just be ignored. We need affirmative action. We need masses of doctors to now speak out. And we're safe in numbers. You know, we're safe in numbers. If we do decide to do that simultaneously, then what can they do? Strike us all off. But instead, they're picking us off one at a time. Uh, yeah. And we really need yeah. to stop now. It's time to speak up. We're not talking about, you know, a couple of adverse events here and there. We're talking about harming babies in utero. <laughs> you know, the amount of carnage I hear from tip-offs again, tip-offs, silent tip-offs online about what people, midwives are seeing, obstetricians are seeing in their in their delivery suites. And it, it, it brings a tear to your eye because the apathy to not want to report that, it's just sickening. You know, people are worried about their pensions and their reputation and not to go through a regulatory process whereby if you stick to facts, you're not going to lose, are you? You know, if you stick to facts, data, clinical experience, well, they can't call it misinformation. I've been told I've spread misinformation pretty much every day, but no one has given me the decent um, response of showing me a single piece of misinformation and rebut it with some data, uh, same as the conspiracy theory tin hat wearer. And I'm an, I'm an anti-vaxxer. You know, no one knows what that is. No one can define what an anti-vaxxer is. I've had two bloody vaccines. I've been harmed by them myself, you know, and I've got myself better from that. And ultimately, how can you be a vaccinated anti-vaxxer? It's quite comical, really. If it wasn't yeah. so thick and malicious, it would be quite funny. Well, and the thing is, is that I, I've seen the targeting of you quite clearly from the profession as well as elsewhere, which we will get to. But I've seen it from the profession. I, I saw, for example, where you had applied for a job and they came back saying that, you know, I'm going to paraphrase it. But basically your understanding of vaccinations didn't align with their thinking on it and they wouldn't give you the job on that basis. It's like what happened to independent thinking doctors? That's not allowed now, right? It's got to be all groupthink. 
It's got to be great thing. Yeah, that particular case, it was a surgery that <clears throat> admitted to Googling me and said that I was a rabid anti-vaxxer. So that's uh, from a quick Google search now. Every now and again, I do Google myself just to see what's being said about me. Uh, it doesn't say anything of the sort. It says doctor promotes safety of patients and Dr. Cartland speaks out for pregnant women and children um, and, they, and their welfare and well-being. So I don't know where they come to that conclusion. So it is this hearsay that's gone around the area. Um, you know, surgeries have declined me. Um, they've, they've gone without a doctor, then have this heathen Dr. Cartland work for them. I was even let go by a surgery for retweeting an Andrew Tate video some 10 months prior. So, you know, this is what they do. They go skip over all the data in your Twitter, but find something they feel is incriminating, such as the disgusting crime of sharing somebody's video talking about COVID-19, whoever they are, whoever they are. And then you've got this kind of closing of ranks. I'll never work again in Cornwall. I've left the NHS just again this last couple of weeks. I did give it another go. But I was working amongst people who think it's okay to not take the vaccine for themselves, yet administer them to their patients as young as five years of age, even in November, December 23. Uh, that to me is absolutely abhorrent behaviour. Um, and I can't, I can't work with these people. So, And it's dangerous anyway. It's not fit for purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. You will be remembered long after all the cowards. But, you know, the fact is, is you're doing what we want you to do and uh, the others aren't. And uh, look, let's just hold that there. We will be back in a second. Let's go to some news headlines. Be right back. Do not go away. And here's the news. Extra, extra. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Truck drivers backing former President Donald Trump are refusing to make deliveries to New York City in protest of the $350 million civil fraud ruling against their ex-commander-in-chief. US Vice President Kamala Harris has claimed Russia is losing the war in Ukraine, despite Moscow claiming a major victory in the Donetsk People's Republic. And while the war may be a tactical issue for NATO, Vladimir Putin says for Russia it's a matter of life or death. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. He's first. That's what we're going to do. We are back with Dr. David Cartland. He's just telling us about what it means to speak out when you are a doctor in the UK. In fact, anywhere in the world, there were so few doctors who were prepared to put their head above the parapet. But I'm delighted that my guest today is one of them. Now, you you mentioned prion disease. And I'm looking at a tweet that you actually wrote. You said prion disease is coming. It may take years to manifest, but it tragically will. There is a plausible mechanism. You know, the one whereby we inject a human with an mRNA toolkit by the billion with whole body biodistribution and coated with LNP nanoparticles for maximum transfection capacity. It's a lot of words there we don't necessarily understand. Break it down for us, David. What are you saying there? Yeah, I stand by that. Essentially, as I mentioned just in the first first part of the interview, you know, you're giving. I looked at the AstraZeneca dose the other day, and there were 250 billion infectious units, and and what they mean by infectious units are monkey inactivated, apparently, even though they were developed with such speed. And a monkey adenoviral vectors just happened to be six or seven months prior to the the uh, monkeypox outbreak you know there's so many coincidences here but you know ultimately what whatever jab you had you were given an instruction manual for a protein that is 
alleged to be spike protein. We don't know. It's having such wide-reaching um, toxicity effects on human beings. But the, the one I'm most concerned about is the prion disease because um, you can imagine the human cell producing a non-human protein. What's the body going to do to that cell? It's going to attack it as if it's a foreigner, as if it's a bacteria, a fungus, or a virus. Uh, and that's what I'm seeing in the human body, carnage. You know, the carnage, and we know from the biodistribution data, which essentially is just looking which cells of the body are expressing this new instruction um, from mRNA, and it's every cell of the body. And, you know, they knew this. They knew this before they started jabbing babies and pregnant moms, et cetera, that the, you know, three of the hot spots of this mRNA are the ovaries, the testes, and the bone marrow. I mean, you get a small injection and you're down to how on earth is that reaching the brain and those three tissues I've just mentioned. But to, to concentrate on prion disease, look, I'll just get your viewers. I've done it this morning. I've shared a couple of really worrying case series. Just type in variant CJD and the COVID-19 vaccine uh, or prion disease and the COVID vaccine into PubMed or NIH website or Google Scholar. And you'll come up with hundreds and hundreds of, of case studies of people who've developed what they're calling variant CJD. I call it prion disease because there isn't really a phrase for this disease. I call it spike proteinopathy, which is essentially the, the disease of what spike protein is doing to the body. And it's multifaceted and it's multisystemic as well. And so you think about your brain kicking off these proteins and the proteins are there just, they, they can't go anywhere. They're, they're just depositing in the body, this inert um, substance and, and it's building up in plaques and people, you know, I'm seeing that in my colleagues uh, and friends and family that are sort of, I don't know if anyone else has noticed who's tuning in, people's cognitive functions are being impaired, um, people's memories being impaired, people's personalities are changing either to become apathetic and not caring about anything so quite the opposite and what i'm witnessing the most is aggression aggressive behavior from people people not able to stick to tasks you see people all over the road when they're driving or driving ridiculous speeds in 30 miles an hour they're doing 10 miles an hour um and, and this is for me a, a really good concern and when any of you viewers do google these case studies these happen within a matter of days of the vaccine being administered so unless there's a million coincidences because the incidence of variant cjd is so low so low that suddenly, if, I mean, I've just put a report for 27 case series that report within a week of the COVID vaccine developing a prion-like disease, neurodegenerative essentially. So they're, they're acting in a way like they're looking like they're MS. Um, you know, they're, they're so concerning. It really is a concern because it, it seems to be death by a thousand cuts. Patients are Ooh. dying. The other thing, David, that I want to so I don't think we even know the half of how this is all going to ultimately manifest. But one of the things, obviously, there's these videos that are circulating where embalmers are noticing strange blood clots. What are your thoughts on that in the vaccinated? Yeah, I mean, I, I know as much as you guys, really, it's not an area of expertise. All I know is that there's several. I think Richard Hirschman in America, um, John O'Looney, the legend um, in the UK, who's pretty much speaking out in, in solitude, really, about these stringy things. Look, they don't look anything human to me, to be honest with you. You see them, they're like little bits of calamari. They've got high tensile strength. I don't know what they are. I mean, people say they're amyloid, which, again, is another aberrant protein. But, you know, we don't really know the structure of this, uh, the macro structure of um, spike protein when it starts to accumulate. So that would be my guess that it's this spike protein deposition that we just talked about in the brain. But it's happening in the large vessels and having catastrophic effects, obviously, if they're on the embalmer's table. So it's just so vital to have. And, uh, Sorry, I beg your pardon, David. Go on. No, it's just sickening to hear the silence, the deafening silence from my colleagues when they're seeing this every day. You know, we're not just talking about a headache after a jab here or a transient fever. We're talking about death 
turbo cancers, blood clots, menstrual issues, heart issues and strokes. I've seen strokes in 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds. They're being told by their doctors it's long COVID when it was the week after the Moderna jab. <laughs> I mean, the gaslighting is on another level. It's actually It really expensive. is. It really is. And, you know, the thing is about me, you know, I'm a straight shooter. I say it as I see it. I can never ignore elephants in rooms. And it would be remiss of me to have you on here and ignore the fact that you have been embroiled in something over the last few weeks. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and you did a tweet. You said it really saddens me, this whole division for my defending my name. Um, given a prominent member of the Vax injury community has been privately slagging me off. We know what, so we know what's happened, that there was some sort of set to between yourself and John Watt, who had stood up and made a comment to Rishi Sunak. But David, really, what is this all about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a tricky situation. But look, as I said, I said it even in the space, you know, I love John, I love Alex, I love Adam, that these guys have really been hurt and injured by this vaccine. They're probably three of the sickest men I've witnessed in the whole time. Um, and it just upset me a little. And I defended myself. It wasn't planned. It wasn't premeditated. Um, I wasn't going on there to play victim has been accused. But look, I love them still. I'm here for them if ever they need it. Set the record straight that, you know, they're good men doing the right thing. And anyone who's raising awareness of this is, you know, a friend of mine. And uh, essentially just, you know, we're all on the same team and I just rally us to, um, you know, get back together. And I think they love it, the trolls. Well, they have. I've seen evidence of it. They love jumping on it and using it, you know, division, division, division. That's the order of the day. Um, and that's how they've been trying to, uh, to to treat the human race, divide us in whichever way they can. And they've been successful here. But, you know, just let's, let's all stick together. We're on the same team and uh, let's keep moving. Let's get the momentum because it's only us as a body of humans that um, that are going to do this. We've got to all stand up. We've got to reach that critical mass, whatever that may be. You know, we've got to reach that critical mass. And uh, and, and I love John and I love Alex. And uh, yeah, send that to them, please. I love that. I love that. That's a big man message. We love that sort of stuff. You're absolutely right. The trolls love that division, no doubt about it. And let's face it, you've had it from all quarters. You've had it from the GMC, which is obviously your governing body. You've been accused of pretty much everything via them, haven't yeah. you? The, the, these guys have got righteous anger, absolutely. But my, my, my point really was fire it at the 99.9999% who are silent. Look, I get up seven days a week, you know, when I should be with my kids yesterday. My kids don't even know I am. They thought I was a robber <laughs> the other day coming into the house. So I spent my days doing this so that, that that's all i'll say on the matter and it's righteous anger they, they, they are absolutely bang on to be um, angry with the medical fraternity um and so that's that's my final word on the matter we i love that david i absolutely love that as i say that's a big man message and we need more of that right because the thing is is that so many of these trolls we know they're from the 77th and any viewers from outside england you may not be aware of what the 77th are but they are a very <laughs> real and happening uh, part of the military, I think led by Tobias Elwood. I was spied on from 2020 because they said for disinformation to do with COVID. So we've already, we're already subject to that sort of stuff. We don't need to be fighting amongst ourselves. So David, I think that's absolutely brilliant. David, give us a final note of what you want people to know about who you are, what you're doing. Uh, I'm just a normal guy doing what I should do. I'm following my professional conduct and uh, ultimately I can't work in the NHS anymore. So in terms of what I'm doing practically, I'll be working under my new kind of assigned health coach, health advisory service. And, and I think pretty soon the GMC are going to be getting an email to tell them where to stick their license because I don't really want it anymore. There's better ways of practicing medicine that is safe. And effective <laughs> to, to coin a phrase uh, and you know we're all joining up now all of our doctors you know the awake doctors who've spoken out we're finding each other 
we're befriending each other, we're supporting each other, and we're looking at better ways for the future. And they, they, you know, the NHS is old school now; it's not going to last. You know, the doctors who are fighting to clamber and uh, save their pensions, that job's not going to be there in the future for them. So they've got to get their priorities right and join you know, real medicine, which is actual natural healthcare. Look at the root cause of illness instead of just giving sticking plasters to your patients. And uh, yeah, let's move forward and, and create a better healthcare system. Absolutely love that. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, everybody. This is Dr. David Cartland. Take a good look at him because he is exactly what a good doctor should look like. Take excellent care of yourself, David. We'll speak to you very, very soon and I'll be back with you shortly. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. During a recent interview on MSNBC, it appeared that Hillary Clinton was going to be brutally honest about Joe Biden's mental health issues. You know, I talk to people in the White House all the time yeah. and, you know, they know it's an issue. But as I like to say, look, it's a legitimate issue. It's a legitimate issue for Trump, who's only three years younger, right? So it's an issue. But then she turned into Hillary. Once you say that, then you have to also talk about what's at stake in the election. And I'm for Joe Biden for re-election on the merits because I think he's done a really good job as president. So I think he should continue to get out and campaign. He's been campaigning pretty vigorously across the country. You know, and he actually does events where he's interacting with people, yeah. unlike Trump, who stands on a stage and, you know, goes on and on for, you know, 90 minutes. Really? Joe talks to the, the people that show up at his rallies? What, the dozen people that show up? And she mocks Trump for talking for 90 minutes? She's 76. I'd like to see her be able to do that. I think Biden also should lean in to the fact that he's experienced. And that experience is not just in the political arena. It's like the stuff of, you know, human experience. Yeah, character. Character. Wisdom. I think he should be willing to really hold that out. Oh, nothing like free advice. Let Joe try. It will be fun to watch but sad at the same time. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. One scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. When the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. <laughs> I'm relying on luck, but who knows if it'll be on my side. When it comes to disasters and emergencies, it's not a matter of if, but when. Take control. One, assess your needs. Two, make a plan. Three, engage your support network. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. You're with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Well, Dr. David Cartland has got you all going. Chris said, well said, David. Holly said, 100% agree with David. So many signs of cognitive issues. And Brett Atkinson says, amazing doctor and human being, balls of steel. And so say all of us, Brett, absolutely. It is an absolute honor to um, welcome somebody like David. Talking about honors, I'm also absolutely delighted loving my guests today. I love my guests every day, but today I'm loving them very, very, very much. My next guest is Mark Atwood. I'm sure you are familiar with him. He is the host of the Mark Atwood Show, Adventures in a Cosmic Suit. He's a poet, he's an author, he's a public speaker, he's an entrepreneur, and he is singly the man responsible for, in my opinion, the best book to come out of the COVID era. This is not just a book. This is a lifestyle, right? Now, Mark, you know I love this book, man. I absolutely love this book. It's spiritual war poetry. It's beautifully illustrated. The wording is beautiful. It's just, it, if you're looking for a gift for somebody who is awake as opposed to woke, 
That's the book you need to get. That's not a plug. I'm not being paid to plug it. But when I really love something, I let people know. Welcome, Sir Mark Atwood. How are you, Mark? Hello, lovely Sonia. How are you? That's very nice of you to say. Thank you. We appreciate you greatly. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Lovely to have you with us. And, I, you know, there's always so much to discuss with Mark, but I thought let's have a look at what's currently happening on the world stage. And you don't have to look much further than Alexei Navalny, okay? Uh, all Western leaders have come out, if you're not familiar. He is a, a lawyer, an anti-corruption activist. He organised anti-government demonstrations in Russia. He is now dead. Everybody's blaming Putin. And Mark, all Western leaders have come out because it's convenient to do so, right? It enables them to give Putin a good kick in. Yeah, well, the first thing everybody should think about whenever they see the actor playing Joe Biden holding a special press conference about this is oh something's fishy something's very fishy and so i always come from the point of view that we should know by now most of us should know by now that you can't trust a single thing that comes out of any western government's mouth but they are actors um playing roles i mean and, and also putin that's not the original putin either so the question mm. for me is always like well who's pulling the strings behind and what's the objective and um, there's a lot of questions over Alexei Navalny because the way that they're framing him is that he's this anti-corruption, freedom-loving um, dissident. But, you know, allegedly he was poisoned by, uh, how do you say it? Novichok. Novichok, that's it. Yes. But, but he was under parole when he was poisoned, and yet he was allowed on a plane to leave to go to Germany, and nobody on the plane was wearing protective clothing if he was poisoned by that stuff they'd all be crapping their pants but so so there's a lot of holes in the story and i'm leaning towards and and, and you know i don't wish death on anybody and I, I i've seen pictures of him with his family and his children and my heart goes out whenever i see pictures like that but i'm used to being emotionally manipulated by governments for the whole of my life so i'm like mm, what's really going on here and what's the objective and the objective clearly at the moment is to push for war with russia which is plainly ridiculous and this kind of you know, when when you messaged me the other day i was like i looked into it and i thought this this reminds me a little bit of archduke franz ferdinand which was allegedly the spark that started world war one which is what we were taught in the indoctrination camps we now know as schools. So I, I'm, you know, the whole thing is very suspect to me, and we should all be treating it all with a pinch of salt and not believing the mainstream narrative, and certainly not believing actors playing presidents. Right, and uh, Stella Assange, of course, she tweeted about. It. She said Biden mourned Navalny's death, even in prison. He was a powerful voice for truth. He said an interesting statement. Well, journalist, her husband Julian Assange, who published Truth Inconvenient to the U.S. and the West, currently rots inside Belmarsh High Security Prison while he fights extradition to the U.S. They love this, don't they? Like. Um, Alistair Campbell, obviously, hugely involved with Blair, you know, the weapons of mass destruction, lots of question marks about Dr. David Kelly. But these people, they love rallying, don't they, to, you know, the to to foreign causes who they if if they can get some kind of holding like they all hate putin like you say they're rallying the troops for another for another war. And just before we move on Mark, what do you mean by he's not the original Putin? Well, you just look at the just go and look just go and look at the pictures of the original Putin. I mean, the, the, you've had this guy in charge of Russia for 26 years. The original Putin was KGB, um, very nasty man. This 
version of Putin appeared uh, about 10 years ago. And I don't know if it's the second or third or fourth, but um, it's certainly it's certainly not. It's just not the same man. And if you look at what's been going on with Putin in recent years, um, and I think the Tucker Carlson interviews and also the, the little videos that Tucker has been making are also very interesting. I'm not saying I trust those either, but also very interesting because you're showing a Russia that has beautiful public transport, has um, cheap, non-genetically modified organic food for sale at 25% of the price that we pay in the West for for, for the poison we get in Tesco's. And it, it, it's, um, which is obviously not, it's not obviously not Putin. It's not the same guy. And and what what I mean, he's been doing really in Ukraine, in my opinion, is cleaning out bio labs and child trafficking centers. And I believe that that version of Putin is working with Trump because if you go back to Trump's tour in 2017 when he went around the world and he handed over things to the world leaders, including the Pope, he gave him a big file. Um, he got the sword dance in Saudi Arabia, which is reserved for kings. And, and there was that famous scene where Putin passed a football to Trump in that press conference. Um, so I, I do think that they're actually working together um, behind the scenes and that there's good things going on because I have to say to the viewers that I am an apocaloptimist. I do believe the title of my book is called God Wins. And I believe that we are watching something There's irregular warfare of the highest level and the um, the bad guys effectively have mainly been taken out. Um, so what we're watching is something designed to show the hypocrisy of Western governments so that people as part of a wake up, because trying to wake up people that have all injected themselves voluntarily and sometimes not voluntarily with a bioweapon, um, the cognitive dissonance is so deep and the brainwashing has been so deep that I've, I believe the, the, the same techniques that have been used to brainwash us in the first place our entire lives are being used to reverse that brainwashing, which is what I think we're seeing right now. Wow, that's so deep. Hey, it's Monday and we've entered a level <laughs> of depth, which I thoroughly approve of. You know, the thing is that I'm looking in the comments. Some people are saying not so, Well, one person says not sure about Putin, but Biden, definitely. And the thing is, is I think this is an interesting sub narrative that we hear often, don't we, on social media where people say, no, that isn't the same person. You would never, ever ever hear this on legacy media. And it doesn't mean that I support the idea, but I think it's really important to be able to facilitate that discussion for people to be heard. And uh, and, and more power to elbow, Joe Biden, the original had proper blue eyes, the ones they have now have black eyes, says we fat shug. What are your thoughts about Biden? You think he's the real one? Well, I know he's not. You, you've only got to look at his face. I mean, it's not the same guy. I've been saying that consistently for four years i mean that's just not the same guy of course it's not the real biden and, and you know the white house has been under quarantine for the last four years it's been fenced off we're watching a movie there's so many there's so much proof i mean the, and the comedy with joe biden is hilarious and this is what makes me think good guys are in charge of him you, you got him tripping up all the time you've got multiple joe bidens one minute he can't walk up the stairs the next minute he's got 30 year old legs falling off a bike that's not joe biden Fascinating. I'm absolutely fascinated. So let's move on to something completely different. Tell me you believe in this, right? The farmers' <laughs> protests. They're really happening, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I did a show with Catherine McBean the other day. Who's you did. The, the People's Farmers Alliance thing. I can't never remember what the acronym stands for. But, and she, I love what Catherine's been trying to do. And I, um, I'm 100% behind the farmers' protests. I think the farmers' protests that we've seen across Europe have shown 
how um, important and visual and physical it is if you get a bunch of people that are responsible for our food. I mean, these these people are incredibly important. And that's a really good thing that we become more cognizant of that because we've become detached from food significantly. And I said on a show the other day, when I was a kid, we, everybody had a garden. Everybody, my dad had, we, I had to go in the garden to pick the vegetables. Everybody, we couldn't afford to shop in the shops for a start. And now all of those gardens are lawn and everybody is in their car. But nobody knows their neighbors and they drive to Tesco's. In the village I grew up in, people drive eight or nine miles to go to Tesco's and they come back and they just eat the crap that they're given there. So there's this massive disconnect uh, between us and food. So standing up for the farmers is essential. Uh, my concern is the, the farm, some of the farmers don't really see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that this is not just about a, a price war with Tesco's and Tesco's rip. I'm just using Tesco's, but I mean all supermarkets. I mean, Tesco's are the bad guys. They're the ones who had Santa Claus holding up a fucking, uh, excuse my French, holding up a uh, vaccine passport in their Christmas advert, for God's sake. I mean, you kind of, you know, and I've still bloody shopping Tesco's occasionally. I hold my hands up. If you ever see me in Tesco's, I've got five kids. Sometimes it's impossible to feed them with everything that I get from the farmer's market. But and I'm trying not to because this is a percentage game in terms of what's on your plate, but I'm digressing. Back to the farmers. The farmers are essential because they have the machinery to hold government to account, to slow down the country. And really, we should be... What I'd like to see is them all being wheeled out of Parliament, arrested for all their crimes against humanity, and then we're starting again. But this is, a, for me, this is a step towards that. And my big concern is that the farmers are doing it, or some of the farmers are doing it. I'm not speaking for all farmers at all. I'm just as what I'm observing. I love the farmers. But the, 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 if they're going there thinking this is all about getting people to the table to negotiate, they are playing into the hands of the enemy because the enemy is the globalists, uh, WEF, and the people that control them and the fourth dimensional entities that control them. So we've got this whole chain of events and what they do is is they it creates a limited hangout. And when you have a limited hangout, that means that they win because I've witnessed them do it. I know how the Illuminati works in terms of controlled demolition. So what they'll do is they'll get them to the table, they'll get this negotiating going on, and they'll think that they're in a process and they're, they're going to win. But actually, it will wear them down over time. And I'm, I urge all farmers to go and watch um, Full Cabal on BitChute. Just go and watch that series of videos and then you'll know from watching those videos, what's really going on in the world. And you'll see the big picture and how vital it is that we get to see um, the, the, the actions that the farmers take is for the whole of humanity, not just for getting the prices out of Tesco's and the you're NUF. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, the fact is, is that this is so much more than just about food. And I don't mean to minimize that in any way, but th that is the reality. This is ultimately you will have nothing and you will be happy territory, isn't it? 100%, yeah. I mean, this is a totalitarian fascist takeover and a dehumanization. And um, uh, when I say, you know, the carbon they want to reduce is us. Yes. You know, they, they put it in the Georgia Guidestones. Number one on the Georgia, which thankfully are now destroyed. But number one on the Georgia Guidestones, which was erected in 1980 in Georgia at a cost of $30 million by a man called Christian, who was uh, anonymous. And it said, number one, and it was a new template for the new Ten Commandments. Number one, to keep humanity in perpetuity with nature under 500 million. Now, once you understand that that's one of their objectives and you and you believe that there's seven, eight million billion people on the planet, then they, you know, they are 
quite successfully showing that their plan was to get rid of a lot of us. And if anybody reads Agenda 21 or Agenda 30 or the project for the new American century or the protocols of the elders of design, I mean, it's all there. It's just a I case know. of going, it's just go and read the stuff. They tell us, but they have to tell us what they're planning to do. But apocalypticist speaking, I believe that there are enough good people in at the top in these positions who have been working on our behalf for a very long time and they're also getting help intergalactically and interdimensionally and um because I've, I've i've seen them and so uh yeah you're in no doubt that we've been subject to a depopulation program then uh yeah 100 <laughs> percent. look at it always round right medically you know in terms of our food in terms of you know what we're watching all of these things and you know even the even the fact that they bring in children they talk about the internet and suicides and all of these things all of these things play into the same thing don't they well, it's it's um, there's a book by F. William Engdahl called Full Spectrum Dominance, which is uh, highly recommended. Everybody reads, which proved to me a long, long time ago. I mean, you just look at I mean, I've interviewed thousands of people on my show in the last four years. I've been researching this since I started waking up since I left the RAF 35 years ago. And wow. if you look at um, if you just look at medicalized birth, for example, that is a satanic ritual designed to separate you from your soul. They are doing this before you're born by injecting people. There's not been a single vaccine in history that's ever done anybody any good. You know, when polio, they give polio, that's how they built the vaccine industry on the back of polio. Polio was 800 different diseases. 800, they just blanketed it under polio and said, vaccines cured polio. And everybody goes, oh, give me a vaccine, give me a vaccine. I mean, I'm absolutely incandescent with rage about vaccines alone before COVID. Right, right. Because you know, I had I five you. children. I had five children. And they the pressure they put on us with the first child to have vaccines was so great that it made us go, what the f what's going on here? And then yeah. we looked into it. This is 20 years ago. And yeah. and you know they gave me meningitis in the 70s. Wow. You know, they, they, did, they didn't ask permission to give us the TB jab in school when yeah. I was four years old. And then yeah. they gave me the meningitis jab. Then I got meningitis. Then I nearly died. I mean, these these people, these aren't people. You know, no, every single <laughs> every single aspect of our life is poison. From the paint yeah. in your living room to the carpet on the floor to the fact that you're wearing shoes that disconnect you from the earth. Even these glasses are destroying my eyesight, mm. right? Because the more you wear them, the worse your eyesight gets. You know, I'm sorry. I hear you. Shin says, I love Mark, agree with him totally. If you've just switched on and you're saying, who is this man? This is Mark Atwood. And he says it as he sees it. And we love it, frankly. Mark, I hate to say that. It, we're, we're coming close to the top of the hour. It's oh. absolutely what I, you're so alive. That's the thing. If somebody said to me, describe Mark Atwood, I say he's alive. And I mean that in every sense of the word, like you're thinking, you're feeling, and you're prepared to articulate it. You're a very brave soul. Mark, listen, I want to thank you once more for joining us this morning at this early hour. It could be late wherever you are. This is Mark Atwood, everybody, isn't he brilliant? And he is, of course, the author of this magnificent book. I'm giving it a second plug. This has been Monday's version of the Sonia Poulton Show. Tomorrow we are outside the High Court this has been Monday. You are great. This is Mark Atwood. Thank you to all my guests. Thanks to all the team. See you tomorrow. Take good care of yourself.